everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hello there. It's fall. The air is crisp. It is. And over at Two Girls, One Ghost, we are celebrating Halloween early and posting some inspo pics and costume ideas and decor on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. So That's Corinne doing that. And then I just enjoy it and sit on my couch <laughs> and look at it all and get really excited and then send Corinne back a response to her own post saying, <laughs> ooh, I want to live in this. Ooh. Ooh, we cool. We do, though. <laughs> we do. Because this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Jumbo. And I'm Sabrina. And for those of you who are Patreon donors, this Encounters episode is being recorded at this very moment. Well, not while you're listening, but as we're recording at this very (laughs) moment. But time doesn't make sense. So who knows? Maybe it's being recorded at this very moment as well in a different timeline. Or in the same timeline, but just in a different space, time continuum. It's all confusing, but long story short, however it happens, (laughs) we pick out a couple of the stories that we read Mm -hmm. and we post them on Patreon in video form. In video form. Which stories are picked? The ones that we don't stutter (laughs) over the most when reading them aloud. So if you're listening with your ears right now on a podcast app, you're like, what? They don't stutter. (laughs) But that's the magic of editing. Magic of editing. Magic. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in this episode. Yeah, as we... How far we get. Yeah. Good luck to us. Good luck to us. <laughs> Good luck to you, Sabrina. I am electing you as the first person oh my to read. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's see. I have a story from our listener, Haley, and it is called The Penny That Almost Killed Me. Hello, all. My name is Haley. I recently started listening after leaving my retail job that I had plenty of people to talk to, to working with four older women in an office. They do not like to talk, and usually whenever they do, it's about Medicare or their cholesterol levels. I, however, was almost killed by a penny. My family and I were going on a vacation on a cruise, and we decided to stay in New Orleans a few days because that's where our port was. My family included my mom, brother, sister, and I. And my brother was a little kid who liked to get into things that he was not supposed to. We were getting ready to go into the very so famous Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo, where we very much so warned my brother to not touch anything in there. Fast forward to that night, we were ready for bed because we had to be up early to board the ship. Everyone was sound asleep. However, at about 1.30 a.m., I woke up. I heard what sounded like water coming from the bathroom with the light on. I assumed it was my brother or sister, but then I noticed that they were both in bed. As soon as I realized that they were in bed, the water shut off. I, being as dramatic as I am, woke my mom up because the water turned on and off. I was freaked the fuck out. My mom, half awake, was kind of pissed that she was woken up in the middle of the night until the water came back on. It wouldn't have been so creepy if we weren't able to hear the squeaking of the faucet. My mom was now wide awake, and it turned off again. We both made such a commotion about it that it woke both my siblings up, and it just kept turning off and on, even with all of us up. I remember it not being such a frantic on and off, and on and off, and on and off, but rather, it would be on for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then turn back off. It was enough to keep me up all night. Once we were on the ship, one of our ports was in Cozumel. I would absolutely recommend there if you're team wine. Being me, I got too drunk, and I spent the rest of the night in the ship room by myself as I blacked out. I woke up at about 7 and found my family for a bit before returning to my room, where a few hours later, I was deathly sick and in pain. 
I couldn't figure out what it was. After a few days, the pain was still there along with the sickness. I was happy though because I was leaving to go back home where I could get looked at. Come to find out I had developed a kidney stone that was big enough I couldn't pass it on my own and had to have surgery. I also had to have a catheter put in from the surgery. I was in the hospital for a little bit, but not more than a day. After I was home for a few days, I remember I was in one of my classes at college and thinking how weird it was my heart was beating so fast despite sitting there for just an hour. I was also very shaky. I was lightheaded and had no energy. My body was telling me something was wrong. I told my mom that I thought something was wrong and went full on doctor and Googled some things. I decided that I was suffering from sepsis. And I told my mom that we needed to go to the hospital. And sure enough, after the visit to the ER, I was being admitted for a septic infection that was in my kidneys. I will now take my doctorate. Thank you very much. I spent around a week in the hospital pretty fucking sick. After being released, it was pretty late and we were getting into my mom's car so we could go get my antibiotic from CVS. Except my mom's car would not start. So here we are stuck in the hospital parking lot in the middle of winter in the Midwest. What a great time. Eventually, my mom gets it to start, and we made our stop and went home. I hadn't gotten a chance to look at my stuff I bought in New Orleans, and no one else really had either since they were worried about their sister or kid in the hospital. We were kind of going through our stuff, and my brother is pulling out all these shark and alligator teeth, a necklace, and a penny. And my mom asked why he had a penny, and he simply said it's something collectible. Can you guess where this child took this penny from? He took it off the shrine of Mary Laveau. I am fully convinced that everything happened because of this damn penny and whatever force decided to punish whoever it could. It may have been when I was the first to wake up that night in the hotel room. I'm not completely sure, but the force decided to stay at my mom's house and make an appearance every so often, usually in the living room. I don't live with my family anymore, so I don't have to see it. And my brother still has this cursed penny in a collection. Thank you guys for being the best to listen to. Hearing your voices makes me feel a little bit more in a place where I'm not very comfortable. Please stay spooky and stay ready for Halloween. Haley. Well, that's some serious stuff messing with Marie Laveau. I mean, this reminds me so much of the feeling that I got when, remember I told you my sister and I went into the voodoo shop? And it wasn't Marie Laveau's, but like there was an altar in the middle, like people have put stuff on it. And it very clearly said, do not touch this. And I had bad vibes. And I can only imagine that it's that or more in Marie Laveau's. Exactly. There are certain things that you just have to listen to the signs. You can't touch Mm -hmm. the button. You can't grab the thing. And it's in voodoo shops, especially in New Orleans. I think it's dolls and haunted museums and artifacts there. (gasps) And Ouija boards. Just like if there's a warning there, it's for a reason. It's not just someone saying like, hey, please don't touch this stuff. It's truly there because I'm sure a ton of other stuff has happened when they have been fooled with. I'm curious if her her brother like believes in this stuff and this was his moment of being like, oh, shit, I've awakened something. I know. Or if it was just – he was just younger and, like, curious and it, just well, grabbed yeah. it and didn't think anything of it. That's what I'm curious about is how old he was because, I don't know, I mean, even if you hear ghost stories as a kid, you don't always connect the dots between the mm. two or you, you're like, oh, this is a cool penny and, you know, we just take it. Yeah. But – I also, Haley, did anyone in your family get up to go check the bathroom <laughs> or did you guys just lay there and listen to the water turn on and off all night? He's so creepy. Oh, oh, I don't want to think about what they saw. 
or what they would have seen if they had gone. I know, but I mean, like, did they call the front desk? I'm sure something happened, but based on Haley's email, like, I'm just imagining the entire family just laying in bed, looking at each other and just staying there. We're like, (laughs) it has to stop eventually. Yeah. Well, I'm also curious. So her brother still has this penny in a collection, she said. in a collection. Is this like he knows which penny is the penny? Or is this a collection as in like he just has a bunch of change in a jar and there has no clue which one's the haunted one? That's interesting. I don't know. I also wonder what else has happened in the living room if they've seen this entity and it's made itself present in the living room. Mm -hmm. Like what has happened? You know what this is kind of reminding me of hmm. is the crone of Catskills. Remember the crone mm-hmm. was taken and then there was this like wet, drenched, like demon woman attached to it? Yes, crone definitely seems way more I mean, sorry, I know Haley's experience was awful, but crone was terrifying. Yeah, crone was absolutely terrifying. But still, to bring something home, I think the messing with the bathroom and the messing with the water, there's something yeah. about that that really gets me. It's one thing if it's like a closet or an attic. Because you can kind of, depending on where you live, you can do alternatives. Like you can Mm -hmm. go get a wardrobe bar and just never use your closet and avoid that. Yeah. But the bathroom you can't avoid. You have to go multiple times a day into the bathroom. Oh, you mean in the hotel? Yes. I'm talking about like the water turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't avoid that. In that first experience when they were all listening. Yeah. I'm curious if they return the penny, will things stop? Hmm. Or is it too late? Because it seems like they've had it for years now. <laughs> and now they have an entity, too. The entity is theirs. It's theirs. It's, it's no longer it connected home. to the penny. It is connected to your home, to you, your Grab family. A penny and bring a demon home with you. That's what they say. That's what happens. That's, you know, the old saying. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a penny or no, steal a penny and bring home a demon. Steal a penny, bring a mm-hmm. demon home. I'm going to tell my kids that in the future. <laughs> Well, pennies are going to be worth so much when your children are around, so maybe. I mean, probably, because aren't we getting rid of pennies? Hasn't that long been a, a thing where That's what they like, say. Hey, we're not going to have <laughs> pennies, which fine by me. I, like, don't I know. use them. And they're haunted, so good and for you. Haunted. So you read an email from Haley. I also have an email from someone named Haley, so I feel like oh, the ha- this is the Haley sode. This is the Haley sode. This is titled, Are You My Dad? <laughs> Lingering relative. Is that how it's said in the uh, subject line? I think that's how she she said it when she typed it. When she typed it, That's what was in her head. Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Haley and I'm a new listener. I've enjoyed the episodes I've listened to on my car rides to work. I actually have a story about my father lingering after he passed. A little bit of background is needed. My father was diagnosed with cancer in 2012 and passed away March of 2013 after a long battle. He passed away at our home. Before he was brought home to be made comfortable, he was at the hospital. At the hospital, someone brought him some balloons. One of the balloons said, I love you. This balloon comes into play later. After he was released and brought home, he passed about a week later. By this time, most of the balloons were deflated. The I love you balloon was barely holding on. A few days had gone by and the house fell quiet again after everyone being in and out. And we noticed the balloon had moved from his bedroom to the kitchen. My parents' room was just off of the kitchen. My brother and I were sitting at the island and my mother was standing on the other side of the island. And this balloon was floating higher than it should have been for a basically deflated balloon. It started to float in circles around (gasps) my mother's head. After that, it moved to my brother and then to me (gasps) and repeated the circles with both of us. Oh, (sighs) 
After circling me, it proceeded to then slowly float down the hallway and into the den. Once the balloon made its way to the den, it floated down as if it were sitting <gasps> in dad's favorite chair. Oh, he would make anyone sitting in this chair move. We were wondering if he was still with us. We thought maybe he was the one moving the balloon. Yeah. Fast forward another week and I was sitting on the porch with my mother and her friend. I had this bullshit ghost detector app on my phone and I decided to open it. It never said anything relevant before, so I thought this app was fake. All of a sudden, after opening this app, the first thing it said was Edward, which was my father's middle name. <gasps> I freaked out, immediately closed the app, and I started to cry. It was very emotional, and that moment, I think he actually did come through the app. Oh. Fast forward again to another few weeks, and my uncle was about to tattoo my now ex-boyfriend in our den. There was some laundry in the chair that my ex-boyfriend was going to sit in, so my uncle moved it. My uncle set the pile of laundry down on my father's chair. Shortly after he did that, the room grew slightly darker and a little dense. A few shadows started coming in from the back of the den. He had a fireplace stand, you know, the thing with the poker and the shovel and the other things needed for a fire. And it was super sturdy and heavy, but the fireplace stand crashed to the floor as soon as my uncle was about to start tattooing. <gasps> he picked it up and he tried to knock it back down, but it wouldn't budge without some force behind it. Whoa. My uncle decided that it was probably a good idea to move the laundry out of my dad's chair and to put it on the couch instead. Oh. As soon as he did that, the dark and dense feeling lifted and the shadows stopped. Whoa. I feel like all of these things were my father still being among us in the house. For the longest time, he was attached to his chair. I took his chair when I moved out, and it would randomly rock for months to follow. Oh, my gosh. The house ended up getting foreclosed on, and the chair didn't rock after about two and a half years of being moved out. I'm not sure if anything still happens at that house. He's been gone for eight years. I wanted to share these experiences, especially since I knew the ghost involved. Again, I love catching up on the episodes I've missed. You've gained another listener. See you on the other side. Haley. Wow. Well, first, Haley, I'm so sorry for your loss, but there's no denying that this is your father. The way the balloon, the movements alone, like, and, and how it went around your mom and then your brother and then you and then floated to your dad's chair. I mean, my brain will not allow me to even find another explanation because that is the only obvious thing that it could be. It's your right. dad. And I, statistically, I mean, I feel I'm no mathematician here. No. Clearly, but we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. But I feel like the probability of that happening, of it circling around all three of you and then moving down the hall to another room and into that one particular chair, like what's the likelihood of that? How could this be a coincidence? It's not. It's not. It's just not. It's absolutely not. That's amazing. And, and the chair proved to have a yeah. lot of activity around it. He just loves his this chair. Was just a start. I mean, this is how like antiques become ha or, you know, people buy things from antique stores and they end up haunted because mm -hmm. people really do have their things and that they get attached to and that they love. I mean, clearly he loves this chair so much that he became angry and started setting shadows and f pushed over a fireplace stand or fire stand, whatever it is. Because there was laundry in this chair. Right. And he needed a seat. How yes. dare everyone be in that room and then not give him his favorite space? His spot. It's amazing. Yeah. And the fact that he stayed with the chair, too, for so long after it was removed from the house. Like, he mm -hmm. was just with Haley. He was watching Ugh. his daughter and making so sure that special. everything was, was good with her before feeling wow. like he could exit the chair. Ugh, I love this because they're just so, like, these experiences are so strong. Because, mm -hmm. like, if the balloon just went over 
their mom's head and stayed there. Like it could have been written off as something else, but for it to do all three things and then for like multiple things to happen in the office and then also for the phone app, which never really worked to say her dad's middle name. It's just like, these are very clear encounters. Yeah. There's too many things, too many things that are very specific to her dad. Gosh, I love, I love the paranormal. I know. I also like that her uncle tried to almost like debunk the fireplace stand falling yeah, by over by trying it. to force it down mm-hmm. again. And it just wouldn't go on its own. So more proof. I love that. Just as he was about to start the tattoo, the thing went over. Because mm-hmm. I imagine, I mean, that's also, you know, you're holding like machinery that's going to ink just your skin. Yeah, like, oops. Oopsie. <laughs> Not that that happened, but that's my imagination of what happened. Maybe we're misidentifying this situation. Maybe we think it was about the chair and the the clothing, but perhaps it was really just his attempt at at getting a tattoo screwed up (laughs) on the person's body who his daughter was dating who he didn't like. Maybe. I mean, yeah. A practical joke gone wrong. Interesting. Or maybe right. Or right. right for the person who was getting tattooed, who didn't get a mistake. Yeah. Well, he got his chair back, and it seemed to lift he got his chair back. when he got his chair back. So I don't know. All good. Okay. This is from our listener, Liz. And it is called, I Lived in a Portal to Hell, Part 1. And I don't believe we have Part 2 yet, or I haven't seen it. So. Oh. Oh, my gosh. A cliffhanger. Yes. Greetings, ghostesses. My name is Liz, and I write sexy romance novels for adults and scary AF horror for kids and teens. <laughs> I've never been more jealous of someone's I career. I know. I know. I'm also a full-time freelancer writer of all things new age, paranormal, and ghostly, a devoted cat parent, and I laughably realized as I was writing out this email, someone who has had a shit ton of paranormal experiences. <laughs> A brief aside before we get into said shit ton of paranormal experiences, if you would ever like to turn some of your podcasts into a blog post, please, please, please let me know. Writing about ghost stories is kind of my dream come true. Fun. So fun. Okay. We can be bloggers now. We can be TikTokers, podcasters, bloggers, whatever it is, put it on our list and check it off because that's just what we do for it. Okay, pumpkin spice latte is acquired, caffeine is percolating, let's go. That time, I lived in a portal to hell. In 2003, when I was a 20-year-old aerospace student, okay, Liz, come on, can you get any cooler? This is a person, this feels like a made-up person, doesn't it? It's just like amazing at everything. We love you, just let's be friends. Okay, I rented a two-bedroom townhouse in Gray, Tennessee. The rent was a steal because it was super close to the airport and there was a lot of aviation noise, but it was in a lovely wooded location and I was an aerospace student, so it's not like I minded the planes all that much. Anyway, I lived there for three and a half years, the longest of any tenant in my building, and I and my neighbors had some hella forked up paranormal experiences there. The apartments are still there today, but it's probably not a good idea to share the exact location on the podcast because I wouldn't want the current owners to get pissy or for the current residents to get scared. But Mm. she sent us a link and some photos so we have an idea of where it took place. Okay. This part is titled, I once saw a ghost cat run into my apartment only to disappear in the kitchen. Back in 2003, I worked a 1.30 to 10 p.m. shift at a nearby call center, so I usually came home after dark. My apartment was the second of four two-story units squished together, a two-bedroom townhouse in a mostly quiet wooded area nestled away from everything. 
Unfortunately, it's not uncommon for people in this area to dump their pets if they're ever evicted or moving to an apartment that doesn't allow pets. So there were a lot of stray cats living in the woods near the complex. And Mm. because I love cats and cannot stand a hungry pet, I would sometimes put food out for a few of the friendlier strays in hopes that the local cat nonprofit would be able to trap them and find them forever homes. That's sweet. It is. So one night after work, I come home hands full of grocery bags because who is going to make a second trip? Not me. And one of the strays I feed, a tabby that I named 99, was waiting on me. I struggled with opening the door because my porch light was out. Again, it kept happening, and I would like to think that it was because of the old wiring, but I also can't say for sure that it was not paranormal, which I think is even more distressing. My hands are full, and 99 is weaving around my legs. I finally get the lock turned, but as soon as I push open the door, a black cat runs past me and into my apartment. 99 elicits a sharp hiss and then takes off into the woods, which was very much not like her, especially because she had not yet been fed. At this point, I'm like, oh shit, because A, I don't want to be in the middle of a stray cat fight, and B, my two house cats, Trixie and Benjamin, were inside, and Benji is a fighter. The last thing that I needed is a trip to the emergency vet or worse, Benji running off into the woods, chasing a stray cat who may or may not be vaccinated. So I drop my groceries on the floor in the living room and rush after the black cat who darts into the kitchen. Okay, that's easy enough because the kitchen is horseshoe-shaped with only one opening. I can open the bathroom door, which is just across the hall, and block the cat from going any further into the apartment and usher them back out the front door. In my mind, the problem is solved. Except when I get to the kitchen, there is no cat. There's just me standing in the hallway scratching my head because I saw a cat. I saw a black cat run through the living room and into the kitchen, a kitchen with only one way out, and I'm standing in front of it, looking at nothing. More confused than shaken, I walk back to the front door, close and lock it, and then begin putting away my groceries. While I'm putting things away, I check cabinets, crevices, anywhere I think a cat could maybe be hiding, but still nothing. By pajama time, I'm ready to write it off as a trick of the light, a result of a sleep deprivation that comes with being 20 and a full-time employee and student. But then I remember that 99 had seen the black cat too. So apparently had Trixie and Benjamin because they scattered when the black cat had run into the apartment and Mm -hmm. I found them hiding under the couch and they were all puffed up and shaking. One or both of them had peed themselves and they wouldn't even come to bed that night. They sat under the couch growling at every noise, every light, every creak. I was so creeped out that I slept on the living room floor because I didn't want to be alone. This happened half a dozen more times. There was also a section of wall near the stairs that was always hot. I noticed it straight off, but assumed it had something to do with the heating. Because I moved in the winter, I didn't think much of it. But by the summer, the heat wafting off that wall was impossible to ignore. It wasn't warm in the way fresh laundry out of the dryer is warm. It was hot, like a heating coil. So hot that if you put your hand to it and kept it there for a few seconds, it would be red and warm. Like that 4x4 section of the wall, but only that 4x4 section of the wall might combust into flames at any moment. The apartments at the time were owned by a retired couple who were very nice. So when I called and explained about the hot wall near the stairs, they came by with the apartment manager and an HVAC technician to see what was going on. They even removed a section of drywall to see if there was a faulty wire, pipe, or duct that needed replacing and only like the black cat that disappeared into thin air, there was nothing but wall studs 
and foam insulation behind the drywall. No one could figure out where the extreme heat was coming from. Flummoxed, we went next door to the connecting apartment, which was vacant, and it had the same layout, but a mirror image version of it, so it was easy to find the spot on that side. It was cold. The hot spot was only on my side of the wall. We all walked away scratching our heads because there was nothing in the wall that could produce heat, especially not just one-sided heat. They replaced the drywall, but the hot spot remained hot. If anything, it got worse, so bad that it discolored the brand new paint job and we never figured out why. I also went through a lot of neighbors because they were too creeped out to stay. The first neighbor in the end unit next to mine, the one that shared the wall with the hot spot, was a Hispanic couple with three small children. The oldest daughter was around eight years old and had just begun doing chores around the house, and one of her favorite chores was taking out the trash. Her mom would stand on their side of our share porch and watch as the little girl lugged a half-full garbage bag the 20 or so feet to the neighborhood dumpster. The little girl tossed the bag into the trash, skipped back to the apartment, and smack! The door to her apartment slammed in her face. Oh, oh, she's so young. I feel so bad. I know. So scary. She started screaming and crying, calling for her mom, and from inside the apartment, Her mom was screaming and calling for her, trying to get the door open. It was not locked, but it would not budge from either side. I and another neighbor who had just gotten home calmed the girl down, and with some effort, we managed to get the door open. Her mother had been standing in the doorway when the door had slammed shut, and it had bloodied her chin and torn up her toes, so she clearly had not closed the door herself. The only logical explanation anyone could come up with was maybe a weird downdraft sort of thing from a plane as it took off caused the door to shut. What? No. Except there are seven-foot privacy fences protecting the deck porch area on both sides, plus a lush canopy of trees overhead. And I had been outside reading when this happened and there was no wind. And also, sorry, (laughs) if this were a plane, planes don't just fly willy-nilly. There are flight paths, so it would be a recurring event. Yeah, and I can't imagine that these are close enough to a runway that the energy from the planes is, like, that strong. No. A couple of – It's a ghost. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all thinking it. A couple of weeks later, the little girl's backpack mysteriously went missing, and a few days after that, the backpack and its contents were found scattered in the woods, which could have been a vandal who found it and went through it looking for money or drugs or who knows what. This was all before the age of cell phone cameras, let alone ring cameras, but the family broke the lease and moved not long after. Remember how I said the landlords at the time were super nice? I can't remember a single time when they gave anyone in my building a hard time for breaking the lease. They actually kind of expected it, and when I moved to the complex, I tried to negotiate a lower rate in exchange for a longer lease, and they talked me out of it. I ended up getting the lower rate I asked for with a six-month lease, And every time I renewed, I lived there from December of 2002 to June 2006, they acted shocked. Like they couldn't believe someone would want to stay another night, let alone six more months. What the (laughs) hell is going on? That is not normal behavior. I know. More stories about other neighbors in that same apartment. There was always a banging noise in the master bedroom, which mirrored the other apartment's master bedroom. And always, even when that apartment was vacant, which was a lot because of the turnover, sometimes the banging sounded like a growl, like a low and consistent room-rattling bass beat. Other times, it was louder, like pots banging or gunfire or firecrackers going off. 
But the worst experience was the night that I thought I heard someone being attacked next door. My mother was staying with me that night, and she heard it too. We both had our ears pressed up against the bedroom wall listening, trying to figure out if it was a TV or if it was real. The apartment at that time was being rented by two college dudes, and they could be loud at times, but never violent. Usually they were just playing video games and laughing. But this night, it got to the point where we were convinced something very wrong was going on next door and someone was getting hurt. So I called the police. But when the police showed up, landlord in tow, I was told the apartment next door was vacant. The boys who had been living there had moved out the day before. The landlord had even unlocked the apartment for the police to investigate, and they found nothing. No people, no TV. The place didn't even have power. Nothing that could have made the kinds of noises my mother and I heard. I think they were convinced that I had either made a prank call or had a bad dream, but when they walked through my apartment, specifically my bedroom, they heard the screaming too, coming from the wall that mirrored an empty apartment. No one had an explanation. My landlord called the next day to offer me my choice of apartment in any of their other buildings, but I declined. Why? Because I thought I was just hearing and seeing things, but also because my piano was really heavy and I didn't have the $300 to move it again. Yes, I would totally die in a horror movie. Another family with a young boy lived there for a while, and I didn't know them very well, but they were nice, and the little boy would ride his bike back and forth on the deck because he wasn't allowed to ride it in the parking lot. And I know he got spooked a bunch because sometimes he would jump off his bike and run into the house crying, but I never knew what he saw. What I remember most is his grandmother. I lived across from her at my old apartment building, so we were familiar with each other. We reconnected during her first and only visit to the apartment, and as we were trudging up the walk to the shared porch, she just stopped dead in her tracks, looked at the building, and shook her head. Nope, she said, nuh-uh, no way. Y'all get haunted if you want, but I'm calling on Jesus. And without even ringing the doorbell, she walked back to her car and drove away. That family lasted maybe six weeks before they moved out. Oh, my God. Oh, (laughs) this needs to come with a warning. I know. There are people that seek out haunted apartments. Like, you need to advertise. People will live there, I know. Super haunted. Many people move out. And then you'll get the right people who are like, ooh, I want to live in this. I know. Or is that the wrong people? Because you don't know why they want to live in that. True. I'm just thinking specifically of one of my friends who's always like, I want to live in a haunted apartment. And she's the nicest. Yes. But yeah, it could attract. I'm sure it could attract the wrong type as well. Ill-intentioned people. Okay. A friend of a friend, Shelly, moved into one of the apartments further down with her new husband. They stayed maybe three months or so and then moved out. And when I met up with her sometime later, I asked why she moved. And she looked at me like I was asking a stupid question and said, that place is fucking haunted, Liz. And that was all she said about that. There is so much more that happened, like a man with red eyes appearing behind me in the mirror and how I was allowed in fewer and fewer rooms as time went on, how my alarm system kept going off in the middle of the night, and how I still have nightmares about the place like it never quite let me go. But I've written way too much already and have to get to work on things that, you know, like pay bills or whatever, adulting. Anyway, love the podcast. I've binged like 30-ish episodes in a month. Keep up the creepy, Liz. Liz, what the hell? (laughs) Literally, what is happening here? It's – I mean, she lived there for four years? 2002 to 2006? 
Yes. And that everyone's so shocked. This whole time I'm like, oh yeah, spooky things are happening. Everyone's super haunted. And I'm thinking like maybe Liz just didn't have like anything so, so crazy happen to her there. No. And she's like, oh yeah, red eyes behind me in the mirror. Which is even go to terrifying. all the rooms that I rent. Yeah, we need to know more. We need part two, Liz, because I'm I, the fact that you lived in this place for four years while others couldn't even manage six weeks. Liz, to me, feels like that type of person who just never gets stressed. You know, there are some yeah. people who are just like, oh, well, and moves on. And, and they're just like, la, la, la. That happened. Continue on. Look forward, not backwards. Yeah. I feel like she's the perfect example. Like something would crash next to her and then she'd be like, well, I just won't sit right here. I'll just sit on the next cushion. Right. Like <laughs> – the bravery. Yeah. No. I need to know more because the fact that that little kid would jump off his bike and like scream and cry running oh, into I the know. house. Yes. And then also his grandmother who just took one look at the building and got back in her mm-hmm. car and said, no way. What did she see? What did she sense? What is in that townhouse complex that is so visible? Yeah. I'm also really curious about the history of the building. Like, we don't hear about hot spots. Hot I walls. know. It's always freezing cold. So yeah. The fact that it's really hot is so weird, and it makes me think that it's almost like a residual energy, like a, a stain from when like right there was a there. fire back <gasps> in the day or something. Well, it's curious, too, because it, I wonder if that's the same wall. It sounds like it is, that it shares that wall with the apartment or townhouse that the, she heard the fighting mm-hmm. in. So I'm curious – if there was something, whether it happened on that property in these buildings or just like just in the property in general, and like that's like the spot where something yeah. happened. Yeah. You know what? This is a weird thought that I had, but I was just thinking like fires and heat and you were just talking about arguments and I was like, oh, maybe they just got like so hot with rage. And <gasps> that rage just like put itself onto the wall. Ooh. I wonder like truly in living life, non-paranormal, does your internal temperature raise at all when you're angry? Like, do certain emotions affect your body's temperature? It affects your heart rate. Yeah. Your stress levels. I'm sure. So I'm curious about about that. Sweat and temperature regulation. That's interesting. I've also, like, there are certain people, and I can't remember what it's called, but who they want to assign, like, people have colors. It's kind of like your aura, but Mm-hmm. And then also sounds have colors and words oh, have synesthesia. Is that what it is? Yeah. They have like different colors. So I imagine that emotions kind of have these colors. So why don't they have temperatures as well? Yeah, I'm sure it can happen. And maybe it's happening right here in this apartment <gasps> complex. I need to know more about these landlords. I know. What do they know? They have to have the most <laughs> They must of know a lot. Because if you're coming to your landlord and saying, I need to break my lease because this place is haunted, you don't just – for them, at least in the beginning. Yeah. They're not just like, okay, I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions and let you break your lease. Like, mm-hmm. they had to have heard huge novels worth of stories from people oh, being like, and then this happened, and then this happened. percent Yeah. Okay. Well, Liz did send us, personally, the link to the townhouses. What if I email the landlords? <laughs> well, we get Liz in trouble. I won't say that Liz sent it to us. Okay. I'll just say, room around town so this place is on to tell me everything. Tell us everything. I mean, we're all curious. It doesn't hurt to try. Yeah, maybe they'll be like, cool, cool. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for a podcast called Two Girls, One Ghost to (laughs) 
inquire about it. The ghost told us that you were coming. Oh my gosh. I like being in this seat. I like that other people are like, oh, we're not going to share this information because we don't want to like out these places or people, but we still get the link. So we get to. So you and I get to. It's a nice position to Mm -hmm. be in, I will say. It is. All right. I'm going to do it. Okay. I have a tale for us. This is from our listener, Nikki, and it's called Amityville Horror Story. (gasps) Ooh. Hi, ladies. I'm currently listening to episode 53, and Corinne is doing the Amityville Horror House. I have a story about this that I think you will like. Ooh. So back in 2016, my friend was on a work trip to New York City, and we explored the day in the city and then took a train back to her hotel, which was in Amityville, New York. Mind you, it was 2.30 a.m. when we arrived at the train station. We tried to request an Uber multiple times, and every time, someone would accept, and then they would cancel within two minutes. We were all alone in the dead of night in Amityville with nowhere to go. There was this creepy car that kept driving through the train station's parking lot and slowing down once they got near us. They circled a few times until the car stopped in front of us. It was just a single guy by himself and he asked if we needed a ride. We quickly responded with, no, thank you. Our friend is coming to pick us up. He then continues by saying, you girls shouldn't be out here all alone at night. Bad things happen. And then he drove away. To say we were freaked out was an understatement, but then we finally found an Uber and made it safely to her hotel. Cut to the next day. I was home safe in my bed, and I logged into Hulu to watch some show that I'm sure I was binging. And guess what it showed as my last movie watched? Freaking Amityville Horror. I flipped (gasps) out. No one is logged into my Hulu account except for me, and I can promise that I did not watch that movie recently. It was very, very, very weird to experience, and I still will never know how that appeared on my recently watched when I literally had just been in that town the night before. Thanks for the spooky stories. I love listening to you throughout my workday every day. Nikki. Oh, okay. Well, that guy, I'm so glad you guys did not get in his car. I know. It's like a real-life horror meets paranormal horror. Oh, my gosh. So creepy. That is terrifying. It reminds me of – oh, I I sent you a TikTok today, which is so – backwards of our relationship usually it's the other way around usually it's you get eight a day and i never I know a response from you because <laughs> i like watch but you watch them because then when we actually talk yeah. you're like oh and then that one that you said because well, then like, i okay. watch them and then i find myself in a black hole of tiktok <laughs> and then i forget about everything else in the world but this one that i sent you was this woman doing like halloween makeup and telling a scary story and she was telling the story of like this guy and he was hitchhiking and got a ride home with this guy but as they were driving, he like started getting weird vibes. And in the middle of the drive, like they had stopped at like a stop sign and he like jumped out of the car and got out because he just felt like really unsafe and weird. Good. Trust your gut. Yes. And so then a couple years later, probably like 10, 15 years later, he's watching something on TV and they're interviewing a guy who's on death row and for killing a bunch of people. One of the questions was like, how did you decide to take off all the door handles on the inside of your car. And he says, well, the very first time I was going to kill someone, the guy knew better and jumped out of the car when we had stopped. So after that, he took all the door handles off from the inside of his car. And then they show a picture of this guy and it's freaking John Wayne Gacy. It is? Oh my God. And the guy who had like gotten out of the car and had the audacity to like get out because he was scared 
immediately recognizes him as the guy who had picked him up when he was hitchhiking. So he was going to be his first victim. You know what's so creepy is I feel like so many serial killers have that story. Yeah. There's that one person who got away and it's just someone else's creepy tale. Mm -hmm. And until you make that connection and you see that interview or you see that thing, you don't realize it was supposed to be you. Yeah. And it's also horrifying because it's like one person escapes. Thank God their life is saved. But then that other person. So many. The killer is taking notes and making adjustments to do, in their eyes, like better at what they intended to do. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. They're becoming more and more dangerous as time goes on. But that's all to say that, Nikki, I'm so glad that you did not get in that car because who knows what would have happened. Seriously. Right. Because even if it was some guy who was just like, Maybe on his phone or something and in, in, in the parking lot. You're not just like randomly driving around and like making loops and slowing down by someone. Like if he really were well-intentioned and he wanted to intervene, there wouldn't be that kind of like slow build up to the interaction. He would have just pulled over and said, are you guys okay? Do you need me to call someone yeah. for you? Yes. Don't be like, like – have some self-awareness hey, at least. get in my car. You guys shouldn't be out this late. Bad things happen. Right. It's so creepy. But okay, here's why don't we put a paranormal spin on it? Okay. The fact that her Hulu, Nikki's Hulu, said that she'd been watching Amityville Horror when she hadn't been, but she'd been in that town. It makes me wonder if this is like a ghost car, ghost demon type mm. of, of thing, a weird appearance. And also, why are all the Ubers not wanting to go there? Why are they all canceling? I don't know. What happens late at night where Ubers are like, oh, I have to pick them up there? Decline. Decline. I don't know. It is also interesting. It's like Hulu knew that she was living Amityville horror. Mm-hmm. And so it played it. It was like you you <sighs> recently viewed it because you recently lived it. So, so creepy. So, so creepy. So creepy. It's one of those things where I just want to like hold myself and rock back and forth. Self-soothe. This is a story from Tasha, and it's two parts. So it's called Late Drive Home. She says, hello, my name's Tasha. This was my first and only supernatural experience, but I've looked back on it many times since the day it happened, wondering about the story behind it. I used to close a grocery store every night at 11 p.m. It took me about 15 to 30 minutes to clean up and an extra 30 minutes to get home. I lived at what we called a village. It was a big tourist attraction, and though the village itself was small, there were lots of vacation homes surrounded by trees and dim lights. It was a week before Halloween, and after a long day at work, I turned on some music and headed home. The night was dark with only my headlights guiding my way, and with the music taking over me, I was relaxed and at peace, but on my road a few blocks from my house, I saw something that made me freeze. I turned my music off and slowed my car down to really take in what I was seeing. It was midnight, and I was looking at a woman. She was standing at the front of the driveway wearing what looked like a pink nightgown with black hair hanging down over her shoulders. Mm -mm. It's like she was frozen with her head down staring at the ground. As I drove past, I remember looking in my rearview mirror and seeing nothing. Today, I did some research on deaths in that area, and though I couldn't find a picture of the woman herself, I found something that gave me the chills. In 2010, a man had strangled his wife and child, leaving their bodies in the bedroom, had slit the throat of his cats and dog, and then killed himself. All of this was just three blocks from the house that I was staying in. Could it be the woman on the side of the road? Your podcast had encouraged me to look deeper into it, and I'm a new fan, and I'm in love with your stories. Definitely can't wait to hear more. 
Then, so this was sent in 2018. Mm -hmm. Two years later, she responded saying, hey girls, I know it's been a while, but I wanted to give you an update. I got very obsessed with this story. I went through endless scenarios on how I could go back and help her. I even drove my friend up at 3 a.m. Halloween night to see if I could find her again. There was no luck. Though we freaked ourselves out with Halloween music and the what if something crawled in front of the car talk. Anyway, months later, I had a dream of the ghost. I wondered how I could help her. And she told me, if you help me, there is no going back. (gasps) What? When I woke up, I started worrying. There was no way I wanted any evil in my life. But of course, my scenarios continued. I even asked my friend to go back out with me the next Halloween. The start of the next Halloween was terrifying. I had recently gotten married, and this man is my life. I had never once had a dark dream about him until this day. The dream started normal. It was calming and even a bit of fun, but then someone showed up. Her eyes turned black, and we knew she was bad news. Later, her and a man cornered us in a public restroom. The walls and ceilings were cracking, and they came at us with needles. The woman lunged for my husband, but I got in her way, and the needle she held went deep into my arm. I went paralyzed, dropping to the floor, and watched them as I tortured my husband in front of me, all while laughing. The last thing I saw before I woke up was my husband slowly dying on the tile floor. Then I woke up, and that Halloween day was torture. I went home early because everything just seemed wrong. All I wanted that day was to be with my husband. And just today, I was telling my ghost story to a coworker, and someone else overheard me. She exclaimed that she knew the lady that I saw on the road that this family owned a laundromat that she used to go to. When I asked her what the mother looked like, she told me she had long, dark brown hair. I wonder if she was looking for her son, she said. My chest got heavy and I felt tears well up. I couldn't believe she was really the mother and the thought that she may have been looking for her eight-year-old son that may have already passed on broke my heart. She believes, being my friend, that the ghost of the mother had tried to protect me from going out on Halloween night. It definitely did not feel safe, So I guess always follow your gut. Mine may have decided, no matter how tempting, to not go ghost hunting on Halloween night. Stay safe and see you on the other side, Tasha. Okay. This is so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are too many instances of this type of familicide that we hear about, and it's horrendous. Yeah. It's giving me Amityville horror vibes. Yeah. What if there is some sort of demon or some sort of presence that takes over, preys on one person in the family, and then that person is like driven to kill everyone? And I know that Tasha's coworker was suggesting that it actually truly was the woman who was murdered and she was looking for her son. But I just feel like the messages in the dreams felt so ominous that it almost makes me wonder if there is this like darker entity that then took on the image of one of its victims, this woman. of this woman. And is now trying to, like, use her image to then, you know, go and and maybe if Tasha had let her in, this, not truly her, but, like, this demon presenting itself as this woman, it it then would have taken on the the appearance of her husband when (gasps) she was driven to kill her husband. No, that's terrifying. I mean, it's so interesting because I I totally buy into this theory because – she had that dream and the mm-hmm. woman said, if you help me, there is no going back. So it makes me think that for a brief second, the real woman, the real spirit was able to get through to Tasha yeah, to give her this message. And then, I mean, 
it's hard to decide because it's like that nightmare that she had with her husband too is so dark. But that could have been the real Tasha being like, this is all that will come for you if you keep following this Mm -hmm. lead. Or maybe it was just supposed to be more innocent where it was like, if you do try to help me, you're going to learn things that you could never unlearn. You'll never be the same. And it's horrifying. It's so sad. It's so sad and disturbing. And like to think that this woman is looking for her son and can't find him. I mean – it's so sad. It's so depressing. Oh, my gosh. And, oh. I mean, familicide is just, like, awful. It's just tragic. Mm-hmm. I know. I wonder if anyone else has seen that spirit. Her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was recent. Like, there are people that are alive that knew the family quite well. Yeah. That I'm sure still live in the area. That feels like such a raw, open wound. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what people have seen, maybe, or experienced and been like, oh, it's just my own grief. Right. And just shook it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about a haunted farm now. Great. This is from Brenda. I'd just like to start off by saying I really like your podcast, but also this is quite a long story. I grew up on my family farm that has been in our families for seven generations. The farmhouse itself is one of the oldest in the county, and it's been around forever. There were never stories about it or anything paranormal until we moved in. My mother grew up in the city, so small town life was new to her. But the house my mom grew up in was considered to be haunted. My mom tells stories of waking up and her entire room was flipped around or seeing shadows dance across the walls in her bedroom. Cabinets would open and she would see ghosts everywhere. Whoa. Once again, the house didn't have any stories like this, but when we moved in, odd things began to happen. Doors would open and close at random times. My mom and brother came to see shadow people, and our dogs would go crazy when they were in the house. And now my dad and I, you know, were humored by my mom and my brother, and we like to freak them out about it when we didn't think really anything of it until the two of us went into the barns one night. I grew up on a dairy farm, and for anybody who knows anything about that, you wake up early and you go to bed late. So today was a really late day. It was about 3 a.m., and my dad and I decided to just not go to sleep and just do some stuff that we'd been putting off in the barn. And while we were walking in, the door slams shut behind us. We thought that that was weird, but we also figured it couldn't be too weird because, you know, wind usually maybe at this time and the cattle are sleeping or just starting to wake up. They don't usually make a big fuss when my dad and I come in, so we're just used to it. But today they were all up and they were awake and they were staring at just one part of the pen. They weren't staring into a corner. They weren't staring at the middle part. They were all just staring at that one spot and they looked to be in fear. And so this obviously freaks out my dad and I. But there was work to be done and there's no time to be afraid. So my dad was just sweeping and mopping out our bottom office area and I was helping him. And then he asked, hey, do you want to go take some samples of hay and figure out how much we have of each? We have to go about 20 feet up through the hatch door to the hayloft and I have absolutely no fear of heights. So I spend most of my time up in the hayloft. And in our hayloft, there's a small part that goes down the entire front wall and it rolls down, but we had it up because it was 3 a.m. and we'd just taken out a bunch of hay two days ago. So I was up there checking, making sure all the hay was good, making sure that everything was up to what we needed it to be when all of a sudden the large doors start to go down. And it wasn't a slowdown like it usually would be because it's on a pulley system. So it runs very gradually down. But this is like shut down super fast. And it scared me because that shouldn't happen at all. And maybe 
it fell, but there's no possible way for it to fall because there's a system of about 20 locks that you have to undo to get it to go all the way down. But this just broke off clean. So I ran faster than I ever have in my entire life to the ladder. I climbed down to my dad and he was like, what was that? And I told him and I said, the door just came down and I don't know what happened, but this is bad. All the locks are broken and I don't know what happened. Then my younger brother comes running in. He asked us, who was standing on the door to the loft, why it was open, and then chills ran through my body. I look at my dad's face and I will never forget. There's no possible way for anybody to get up there without going up the ladder, which my dad and I currently stood under. It was absolutely terrifying in my brain. And I just thought, it's impossible. Nobody can be up there. What is he talking about? I ran up that ladder so fast and I could see who I thought my brother was talking about. This tall seven-foot bigger than a bull man standing there staring out over the farm. So I ran to him yelling, what are you doing here? This is private property. Oh my God. As soon as I got close enough to him, which why was I trying to fight someone twice the size of me? I'll never know. Yeah, For context, what? I'm five foot five and 120 pounds. But as soon as I got close to him, he disappeared. I almost fell off the loft, which in hindsight would have been about a 30 foot drop. <sighs> then as I'm losing my balance, something grabbed the back of my shirt and pulled me back. When I turned around, there was a petite woman giving me a sad smile that felt like one of a mother who lost her child. I stared back at her and I whispered, thank you. A single tear fell down her face and then she disappeared. Oh my gosh. My dad, who'd seen the whole thing, looked like he'd seen a ghost, which he had. And the two of us stayed quiet during milking, still shocked by what had just happened. One of my dad's workers had even made a comment on it. The next night, we had woken up at 3.30 a.m. for morning milking. A little earlier than usual, so we decided to hang out in the office area while we waited for the other workers to show up as a creeping feeling began to close in on both of our hearts as if something was grabbing and twisting it. And a few minutes later, the same woman showed up in front of me and kept beckoning me as if to say, follow me. I don't know what it was about because usually I'm not a very trusting person, but for some reason, I follow her with no fear. She showed me to a small area between pastures that we don't go by very often. And then as if I was back in time, I heard two men arguing, a gunshot, and then the sound of digging. I looked at the mother and then back at the place that she was pointing to, and a large man there was staring at the farm in a look of longing. And then both of them disappeared. I walked back to the barn thinking of the look of longing on the man's face and the look of pride on the woman's. And it hurts me thinking of how much the man missed something. When I got back to the barn, I told my dad what had just happened. And he told me something similar had happened to him, except he heard a man laughing maniacally and the sound of digging. The two of us went about morning chores, shook up for the second day in a row. And that day, the two of us went to the places that the woman had shown me and the place that the man had shown my dad. The two of us decided to dig into the farm history. And after hours of researching, we found out about my dad's grandpa and his brothers. The story goes that there were three of them and they came into a vast fortune at one point. But for some reason, it was never seen or used again after a week of having it. A week? Whoa. One week. Jeez. What the hell? What happened? (laughs) I'm very confused. But two weeks later, the eldest brother was reported missing. This This is what happened. Here we go. Here are the answers. And a week after that, the middle brother moved out of the country. So we went to go ask my great-grandpa about it. When we told him the story, a single tear sank down his cheek and a small smile appeared on his face. He said, my middle brother killed my eldest in a feud about what they should do with the money. 
The eldest had wanted to use it to help their mother and use the rest for the farm as security, while the middle had wanted to build a big flashy place and spend all of the money in one go. My great-grandpa wanted to help their mother, but also to put a little bit aside for the farm. But my great-grandpa said that when the eldest brother disappeared, he had a suspicions until his son, my grandpa, came up to him and asked why Uncle Rob shot Uncle Bill because he thought they weren't supposed to point guns at <gasps> Oh, my gosh. When my great-grandpa realized what had happened and that his six-year-old son had seen it, he threatened Rob to leave the country or he would kill him. But he never found out what Rob did with Bill. My father and I knew what we had to do. When we dug up the spot that the woman had shown me, we found the body of a seven-foot-tall man and we Dude, knew who it my was. my window just opened. <gasps> what? What are you, what? It's, it just shut again. But this window. How does that open? That's a sliding like up. No, it opens inwards. Oh, it does? But the latch was closed. Oh my God. You need to make sure no one's trying to get in your window. Well, I'm on the second story and there's no way that they could. What the fuck? Oh, this is scary. I wonder do if- you want, we, Do you is, want to close it? Do you want me to watch you no, close it? No, no, no. It? It's okay. It, it kind of closed again. I'll just, I'll latch it later. I'm too scared to go. To go near it. I'm curious if I was sitting like this covering it or if I'm like this- I don't know. Because we're recording. We'll see. It's hard because it's so there's so much sunlight coming out. So I it's know. Like blasted with light. So I'm not sure if we'd be able to see anything anyway. This is at but an hour work. and 15. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. going to try to remember that so that I can. Yes. Go back and unlock. <sighs> All right. Ooh, at least <laughs> this is not like a scary part of the story. This is like a very nice part of the story. Yeah. So they find the great uncle's body. We held a small funeral where my great-grandpa got to see his brother rest in peace. And the day after the funeral, we took my great-grandpa to watch us dig up the place my dad was shown, and we came across an old milk jug, and in it was about $5 million worth of gold. Stop it. My great-grandpa smiled and asked that we do something good with it. So we did, and we built a beautiful shrine and put his mother's name on it, as well as her three boys. The shrine was completed late one night, and we wanted my great-grandpa to see it, but at this point, he was very near death, and when he did see it, he started crying. He told us that his mother, his father, and brothers were sitting there, and his brother apologizing over and over, and his mother was smiling with a face beckoning him over. And that night he died <gasps> at four in the morning. I know that this is quite a long one, but thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my story, Brenda. Oh. Okay. So Brenda's family's rich. Brenda's family <laughs> had crazy feuds and murder around this money. And her relatives were like, come with me. I will show you money and bodies and move on from this mess. I'm not okay. This is amazing. I was – I need to – who was on this property before? Because the paranormal stuff didn't start until they moved in. So I'm curious, like, did other family members have it? Was it right. temporarily, like, in, rented out to some random families I don't know. or something? Or was and, it just, like, abandoned for a while? Right. Like, how, I'm so, how did this happen? This story just took me on so many – I because I was terrified at first, and I thought, that, like, a seven-foot man is – tall and i think so shadow tall. person and so i was scared and i was like startled by it and then for it to take this turn where it's all about the family and the fact that they showed them where he was buried yes and they had never known what happened to bill and oh. the dad and brenda they both get the experiences like they're together and then suddenly they're both like off and taken by each spirit and shown other things. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is amazing. Yes. <gasps> Brenda, congrats on being rich. Congrats. 
And like, <laughs> not, yeah, I mean, let's, Terry, on top of all of this, is like they solve this, or they find out this like crazy history of their family. And the, they're like, they learn of this missing money and no one ever knows where it went. And then they found it. They found it. And they gave a little memorial to their family members who were lost in the feud and whatnot. And then I'm sure it probably sounds like they likely used a lot of that money to keep the farm going and into the farm. Farms are expensive. Wow. that's so, This story is better than winning the lottery. My goodness. And also, can I just say that the subject line is haunted farm? Question mark. There's no question mark no, involved here. No. It should be haunted farm, period. Slash ill-gotten booty. <laughs> Slash ill-gotten booty. Because you found the treasure. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So about a month ago, I mean, it might be more at this point, I called out Reggie, who was a coworker of my sister's, for not sending me his ghost story. And he finally sent it to me. <laughs> so, or to us, I guess. To both of us. So To you. To us, because it's... And then by default to me. Yes, correct. Subject line is best podcast ever, which is just so nice. How sweet. How sweet. Okay. Reggie says, Hi, Ms. Corinne and Ms. Sabrina. My name is Reggie. I work in the hospital in Hoboken, and I was introduced to your podcast by Ms. Sabrina's sister, Ms. Alexis. I'm a big fan. I actually don't listen to any other podcast. My favorite episodes were the Hellhound episode and the Reoccurring Dream episode, which reminded me of my childhood when I had a reoccurring dream where I knew I was going to get sick, and eventually I did. But I've never had that dream since, and I haven't been sick since either. I'm also obsessed with the whole Conjuring universe, and I went to the Conjuring house during COVID. I'm pretty sure I caught something in the window, but it's up to you to decide. It might just be pareidolia, but hey, don't kill my dream. Like I mentioned, I work in the hospital and I have had multiple experiences, but this is the first experience I ever had. So I transport patients in-house, taking them to and from their rooms for tests and whatnot. One time I was working for the emergency room and I took a patient up to a different floor And as I was walking along, I looked into a room and saw the first bed, which was empty, nearest to the door, and a curtain, and then the second bed behind it. While I was looking, I saw feet under the curtain. I was confused and called to the nurse saying that that room was wrong because there was someone sitting in the second bed. The nurse starts arguing with me, telling me that there's no one in the second bed, and we go back and forth for a while until she walks with me into the room and opens the curtain to reveal it was empty. There was no one sitting in there, and there were no signs of someone having had been in the bed or even sitting on it. Oh, gosh. I felt like my head was going to explode because I know what I saw. I have multiple other stories from the hospital, but I'll save them for another time. I follow you guys on Facebook and Instagram, and I am also part of the Patreon because you guys are great. I listen while heading home and driving to work. But never before I go to sleep. LOL. (laughs) Keep doing what you love and keep loving what you do, Reggie. Okay. That, I mean, bound to happen, right? If you spend enough time in the hospital, like you might see something paranormal. And I feel like for someone in his position, he's a nurse, a PA, nurse practitioner, something. Uh, I'm not sure what his exact position is. But I mean, to see a patient, like it's in your mind. You're like, oh, there's either a patient or there's a visitor of this patient. And you're like keeping tabs and track of who's where. Yeah. So to be told that that person that you were just near and like made note of does not exist is so creepy. Very. You're supposed to go on with your life after that? I 
wonder if there is like a support group for people in the medical field, specifically people who work in hospitals, because I just feel like there's no way that if you work in a hospital, you haven't experienced something. Right. I mean, yeah. But do people know, though, that they experience? They probably it? That's don't. The or are they just like, oh, I'm just so tired. Like so much happens all the time. Yeah. And I don't even know what to think or trust anymore. I could also imagine like some like a spirit walking past you in the hallway and you would never know because like you just mm-hmm. think it's someone else walking through the hallway. Yeah. And you're moving so quick. You're like a flash if someone goes by and you don't even realize. Yeah. You don't realize. That person is wearing a nurse's uniform from 1910. Oh, gosh. So creepy. So creepy. Okay, well, Reggie's place of work is haunted, which means your sister's place of work is haunted. I know. I've asked my sister so many times. I'm like, do you have ghost stories? She goes, no. Uh, Lexi, play, pay I attention. <laughs> she, although it is interesting, although a lot of the paranormal things happened around her, I feel like she has had the least amount of paranormal experiences. That is really funny. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe. She's just too busy being possessed as a child. Yeah, the demon's shielding her. Notice <laughs> Okay, well, I have a story of someone else's haunted place of work, and this is from Eden. It's called, I worked at a haunted JCPenney. No way. <laughs> hey, ghostesses. Of course, I have to start off this email with a quick thank you. My name is Eden, and I've been listening to your podcast since junior year of high school. What? Oh, for some reason, I just immediately was like, we weren't podcasting then, because I just think of everyone. Uh, in high school, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, we weren't podcasting when I was in high school. No, but when Eden was. Wow. I will continue as I start my first week of college tomorrow. When I found you junior year, I was going through a really hard time, and your podcast helped distract me from some really negative things going on around me. Without you, I don't know if I would have made it out of high school sane. Oh. I should probably start with some background about the JCPenney that I worked at. I started summer of 2020, and they had to shut down the store and laid everyone off in March. So I was part of the new employee group that they had to bring in, along with some past employees that were returning. This was my very first retail job, and I would continue working there up until April of 2021. At this location, we had about three managers and one supervisor. We were at a standalone one-story store, not in a mall like most locations. At first, this location didn't seem to have anything paranormal about it. I have an affinity for these things and can really tell the energy right away. I will skip ahead to September of 2020, though, when things really pick up. Due to the pandemic, they had to cut back on store hours, but as we neared the holiday season, they progressively got later. This store was really only busy on the weekends. Otherwise, my after-school shifts were pretty much just filled with standing around and cleaning the return counter once an hour. At this point, I was mainly working in customer service, which was along the back wall of the store with a salon and a portrait studio. Behind customer service was a terrifying storage room and dock. Imagine a long haul, all cement with metal shelves creating narrow aisles until you reach the loading dock, which was equally as creepy. To top it off, there was a second metal level, same as the first, but entirely metal, so you could definitely hear when someone or something was walking around on it. We had to go back there to retrieve in-store pickups, so there really wasn't any avoiding it. This wasn't the only haunted area, though. The dressing rooms always had an off-putting energy. You'd hear something shuffling around the children's shoe department. And the stylists at the salon were always talking about how they heard footsteps coming from the sink room when they were at the receptionist desk. I would hear voices as I stood at the desk waiting for a customer to need assistance. I distinctly remember a woman's voice, maybe middle-aged, saying, Mom? Mom? Now I know what you're thinking. Maybe it was just a customer nearby, but it definitely was coming from behind me in the storage room. And I could hear the voice echoing off the metal racks. 
Mind you, we only have about four people working after 4.30 p.m. There's someone for the front registers, someone for customer service, a manager, and someone to do recovery, like folding clothes and tidying the store. I would hear footsteps above the second metal level in the back when there really was no reason to be on the second level. It was all old storage with fixtures from the 90s and old signage, but I continually heard things move up there like human footsteps. I distinctly remember one night in December where we were closing at 10 p.m., which meant I wouldn't be leaving until around 10.40 p.m. The portrait studio had an awful habit of not closing out their registers at the end of the night, and often my managers would enlist me with walking back to do it if it showed in the office that it was still open. That night, me and two of my other co-workers were fixing up the store in the front area so that we could leave as soon as my manager finished with the cash room. We heard what sounded like someone walking with a cart down one of the aisles out of our view, but soon approaching where we would see. We all froze, fixated on that section to see who would be walking out. But it stopped mere steps before we would be able to see. We quickly went over, assuming a customer must still be in the store. But we found nothing but some shirts knocked off the table near an aisle. (gasps) Suddenly, my manager paged overhead for me to close the portrait studio register, which meant walking all the way back alone and mostly in the dark. I made my way back, but it kept getting progressively colder. Not the colder where the heater isn't working anymore, but the colder where you feel like the air has dropped 10 degrees with every step. The portrait studio didn't have a door, just an open front that looked out into the store. So when I was counting the cash, I kept the aisle in front of me in my peripheral. I felt like someone was watching me, but it had this very heavy and negative energy. As I finished, I realized that I would have to walk towards where I was having that feeling in order to give my manager the excess cash bag. I grabbed it tight and I tried to keep my head down as I walked, but I heard something walking behind me. It would take a few steps matching my stride, but then pause like it was letting me gain some distance. Oh, no, no, no. I practically ran to the back after realizing this and wouldn't leave the office without my manager. On our way out, we passed the Sephora that had been closed far earlier than the store itself, so everything was turned off for the night. And as we approached Sephora, the security sensor at the entrance started beeping. I assumed it just had to have been an item that had fallen off the shelf and somehow rolled over the sensor, but as we neared the entrance to investigate, it stopped. The sensor shouldn't stop unless the item has moved away, so we all knew something was up. We got around to the entrance, and nothing was on the floor. In fact, it was eerily still. I remember standing in silence as the Michael Bublé Christmas cover played on the store speakers. We took a moment and we went out to the small lobby where the alarm was. Finally, it was time to go home and I wanted nothing more than to be in the safety of my car. Just as my manager was turning on the alarm system, the fine jewelry counter lights flickered on. The only way to turn them on at this point was the control panel that my manager was in front of that she had just locked up. Oh, Not a single one of us wanted to go and see how on earth they turned on. The counter was positioned behind the Sephora, but you could see right through to it. Everything was still eerily still. Part of me wanted it to be an intruder just so that I had the peace of mind to say that it wasn't something dark or demonic. Oh, (laughs) Have you ever really been around a child like a good-seeming entity? This was the opposite. And to me, it felt heavy and looming, almost like it had placed a veil over the store 
and we were now in its control. We had an unspoken agreement then to just unlock the panel and try to turn off the lights. And as we did this, they flickered once and turned off, which was highly unusual. I almost didn't want to take my eyes away, afraid that something would follow me home. So we walked out into the dark, into the cold December night, and I immediately locked my car's doors as soon as I got in. Somehow, it made me feel better. Occurrences like this would continue until my final day working there. It seemed inescapable, like no part of the building was safe. Sometimes I wondered if whatever this was could have been feeding off the negative energy created by this workplace that I was stuck in. Our supervisor was one of the worst people I had ever met and made everyone miserable. I have heard many stories of negative people attracting negative entities, but there really was no answer for what this could have been. I'd like to think that I was the most knowledgeable in noticing when it came to our J.C. Penny's ghost, but everyone had stories of their own, and it came to a point where even the most skeptical co-workers couldn't deny their presence. Mm. Of course, I have plenty of stories from J.C. Penny to my high school, but I will leave it at that for today. Thank you for everything that y'all do. Stay spooky, Eden. Okay, the thing that freaks me out the most is the fact that they were standing right next to the locked electrical box mm-hmm. that is where they turn on and off the lights makes me think that the spirit was standing right next to them. Yes. So creepy. It's like it made other activity happen and didn't quite lure them in. Mm-mm. Maybe fully. Like they just kind of like stopped by the entrance to see what was happening. And then we're like, all right, let's go. Yeah. But yes, it was like trying to bring them in and be so- super close. So creepy. Ugh. Did she mention what it was before it was a JCPenney? No. Because that makes me wonder. I don't know. I mean, I would assume just another big box store. Those things are yeah. like built pretty much intentionally for one thing. It's not like... Maybe but it they could have been like, been like or something, but big old farmland beforehand, you know? Oh, the actual land, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, at one point, I think most places were kind of farmland. Yeah. There's no space that was just safe and unoccupied. It's weird, though, because it's like, I, I obviously, like, I get the feeling unsettled and everything, but it's mm-hmm. interesting because it's like, it could be a child, and then it just is creepy because that's scary. Or it could be something really dark. Right. It feels like it's mimicking customers, too. It's in the wrong place, like being back in the the metal storage area. But then you hear what sounds like a 50-year-old woman saying, mom, mom, which you would hear in the store. You know, I bet my mom says that half the time she's shopping with my grandma. Mom. Yeah. And then – but – it's the wrong place. It's like doing things in the wrong area so you know you're not being, like, tricked. Yes, but it could be a spirit that's truly looking for their mom. I mean, similar to the story of Tasha sent us, of, like, mm-hmm. the woman standing out there and, like, the idea that she's looking for her son. I imagine the afterlife is a confusing place, and if you can't find your loved ones, True. you might Maybe spend a long time. Maybe it's just a shopping ghost. Yeah. You know, grabs a thing at Sephora, walks a little bit, reading the thing. Beeper goes, oops, turn around, put it yeah. back. Someone turns off the lights and you're like, I'm not done shopping. Turn it back on. Keep him, keeping myself browsing. I'm really going to sound like you in this episode, but there was a TikTok I was watching. <laughs> We've traded places of, I can't remember who the user was, but he was doing like, this is what ghosts are actually doing in your house. Oh, and yes. I've seen throwing the like so funny. The cabinet doors open and like, mm-hmm. oh, how am I supposed to find anything in my kitchen? Like everything. Nothing is where it's supposed to who be. Keeps- Turning everything around. Yeah. Who keeps moving my cup? Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, that's a good no, thought. I, I love – I just love the setting. It's like Christmas time. The air is crisp. It's December. Michael Buble is 
I singing, know. and then these employees are just being terrorized <laughs> in the store. At J.C. Penney, who would have ever thought? Who would have thought? Next time My you goodness. go to your big department store, make sure you uh, check in on the employees and make sure no yeah. ghosts are terrorizing them. And maybe when you're interviewing for your retail position, say, hey, is this J.C. Penney haunted? <laughs> yes, that might be, or, or wherever you're applying. Is your office space haunted? Is it? Is it? I just, it, has just want to know. Any customers ever felt anything, said anything mm-hmm. odd? My uh, next, uh, if I ever get an interview for a job ever again, <laughs> I'm going to ask. Here's something I found on the web. According to what ACP the hell, before, Sabrina? Once you get the interview, have a short anecdote ready for every question. Showing how you succeed. Oh. Alexa's telling oh, me how to speaker, interview. Your speaker's helping <laughs> you. This went from so scary to actually pretty sweet. <laughs> or is it like rubbing it in my face as if I don't know how to interview? That's not the problem. I or just need is to like get whispering to your speaker, like help her out. She she's not sure. Give her, give oh her some practice. My gosh. So she's good to go. That's not the problem, Alexa. I how did that even turn on? I must have said something similar to the name. Yeah, I guess so. My speaker set. recently has which what just happened? What alarm? Alexa, what alarm is on? Your alarm is not set. Good. I don't want it to be set. Jeez, <sighs> terrifying. Well, that time my I definitely My speaker's been going name. off recently, and I keep thinking that my speaker's haunted, but Brian has reminded me that we live in an apartment complex, and someone mm. might just accidentally be hooking up. Like to, trying to connect it by accident. It's happened yeah. multiple times. I always think it's him because they're playing country. Maybe we just have a country-loving ghost. Oh, interesting. That's fun. Okay. I have one more story from our listener... Weston, and it's called Mike, the Dock Master from Hell. Hey, Sabrina and Corinne, I only (laughs) found your podcast three weeks ago and have already listened to 75% of the episodes. I think I may have a problem. I have a couple of paranormal stories on top of this one. For example, when we explored the Seaside Sanatorium and met a dead gang of mentally disturbed middle-aged women... But that is a story for another time or the time that my friend's aunt explained her time owning the Annabelle doll. What? Okay, Weston, we need to know that story. Yeah, what the heck? You can use my name, but all others of living people will be changed because I forgot to ask them permission to use their names for this. Oops. Anyway, here goes nothing. This story takes place on a dark and stormy COVID ween. This encounter got me on a path to the occult and true crime. It starts with my friend, who is a medium and a badass bitch, who we will call Carol. After that shady lady, Carol Baskin, of course. Anyway, both Carol and her mom, who is also a medium, but not as powerful as Carol, were helping me contact my recently passed grandmothers, because all three passed in the past year. We decided that our Halloween night at the marina, to which we both belong to, should include a seance. While contacting my tough Jewish matriarch grandmother from the Bronx— who apparently is my guardian angel and supports me coming out to her after death, we heard an ominous voice. Already freaked out, what this old-ass ghost said to me did not help at all. Carol asked the presence that she sensed who they were. The reply the ghost gave, whom we now know is named Mike, was chilling to hear. Mike said, Get out, or you will meet the same as me. Upon hearing this, I said in the most Medea Tyler Perry voice ever, Oh, hell no. Apparently, the largest storage closet that we were in was previously the office of a former dockmaster in the 50s, which, using my fancy detective skills from being a true crime fanatic, 
I found out his name was Mike. We learned his name and his photo matched that of the specter Carol saw. Through more research, I found what he meant by the same as me. Mike drowned while trying to save a boat during a storm. The reason I can't give you his last name is that he never gave it to anyone. An old member and a noms vet told us that Mike was troubled and constantly was overly aggressive. So, a few days later, I figured out that when Mikey Mike said, get out or you will meet the same as me, he meant that if we stayed at the marina, we would be ghost boarded, which I just came up with. It's a term that means when a ghost drowns you. Immediately, we called Carol's mom, who went full medium and came with enough sage to cleanse the entire state. We thought Mikey Mike was gone because no more death threats had come, and that must be a good gauge of whether or not you're being haunted. But about a week later, Carol and I were walking down the docks at midnight, and when we were walking down the north dock, we felt a presence. Now, I am not a medium, but I actually saw this dark, black, shadowy figure who although unable to see clearly, seemed to be smiling and cocking his head. Carol said to me, do you see that? To which I replied, yeah, but aren't you the medium? She just replied eerily, yeah. We quickly decided that we didn't need much more than that, and Carol grabbed the sage, and I grabbed my sigils and paint pens, and we cast that motherfucker out of our marina through a combination of various sigils, saging, and swearing at Mikey Mike and this oddly complicated spell in literature. Thank God it was not an ingredients. Now, the marina is officially unjujued, and there have been no disturbances, and looking back, Mikey Mike was perfectly content with drowning us if we messed up our good riddance ritual. A good thing to come from this is that this event activated my medium spider sense, and it's very weak, but when there's a spirit with malicious intent, I begin to cry uncontrollably, which isn't really useful other than to be looked at like I'm a freak. But oh well. See you on the other side, Weston. I mean, the resources and the power to rid the thing is the most important yes. lesson. What a good situation in the end. I'm also really curious, Weston, about this new uncontrollable crying that happens when you're in the presence of a bad spirit. Does yeah. it just happen? Like, do you just all of a sudden go from like, do-do-do to falling? Or do you feel something coming on and then, like, your body reacts to it in tears? Right. Like, this buildup of an overwhelming sensation. Yeah. Do you get, like, a tingle in your body? Right. Or like, is, is it just, like, warning tears that start coming? happening and you're aware that there's a, some dark entity nearby? Or is it just suddenly, like, oh, my gosh, right. I have no idea where this emotion's coming from? That's what I'm wondering. Tell us. Please tell us. But I, it's cool that this experience has, like, awakened some psychic ability. And better that you cry uncontrollably when there's something around than you not know that something's around. Right, or get possessed by it. That Well, yes, that is definitely much better. It's like they had a spiritual awakening, but it was a spiritual awakening, like, within their own powers. Yes. Which I love. Yes. That's awesome. And I'm glad that Mikey Mike did not drown you and Carol because that would have been pretty – we never would have gotten this story. I like how it's Carol but – like described as Carol Baskin but less powerful than Carol (laughs) because Carol has all the power as we've learned from Tiger King. Yeah, well – Don't mess with Carol. Don't mess with Carol. Okay. Well, not a Carol, but a Carly. I have an email from our listener, Carly. It's (laughs) punny. It's called Saved by the Yell. Hmm. Instead of Saved by the Bell. (laughs) 
Okay. Hey there. <laughs> Thank you for the explanation. Hey there. Uh, some people. That's true. That's true. I mean, some people think about like the times that we don't know anything. Kids. Yeah. Yes. Hey there, ghosty gals. Longtime listener, first time emailer. I've always been hesitant to share my family's experiences because I've never really categorized them as ghost encounters. My family is very religious, so we have always viewed each experience through more of a spiritual lens, but who really knows, right? I have several that I could share, but my grandpa has always been my favorite to tell. When my grandpa was around 13 years old, his parents had converted their basement into a bedroom for him. They had a big family, so they were always making renovations and additions in order to accommodate everyone. He had wanted his own space for quite a while, so before they were even done converting, he threw his bed down the stairs and began sleeping in his new bedroom every night. For weeks, he slept without any issues. It wasn't until one night he woke up very suddenly and instantly felt like something was wrong. He couldn't quite place why or what he was feeling, but either way, his rationalizing was not giving him any comfort. Not being able to shake the feeling, he ran upstairs and started wandering the house, checking to see if anything was awry. After a few minutes of tiptoeing around, he started to feel more at ease, so he headed back down to the basement. Not even a minute after his head hit the pillow, this uneasy feeling returned, only this time it was coupled with a loud voice telling him to sleep upstairs. This voice was not coming from anywhere in the room. It was a voice that was in his head. He quickly rationalized it as just one of those thoughts... But then the voice became louder and more urgent. It was like a separate entity jumped inside of his brain and sent (gasps) him this internal message. So now he was spooked. He jumped out of bed. He ran upstairs to his parents' room and he shook his mother awake. He didn't tell her what he'd heard or felt, thinking that she would tell him that he was just imagining things. So he just pleaded with her to let him sleep in the living room. She reminded him that he had nagged her and his father to no end about letting him sleep in the basement before construction was over. So he needed to go back down to his own bed and go to sleep. Feeling frustrated and still a little panicked, he headed back downstairs. He didn't make it very far, though. He once again heard the voice tell him to sleep upstairs, and now he felt as though someone was physically tugging him away from his room. Oh, my gosh. At this point, there was no way that he was sleeping in this basement. He turned around, and he plopped down on the living room couch. He wasn't sure why or how, but he just knew that he was receiving a warning, and at this point, facing an angry mother seemed much easier to deal with than whatever the alternative was. The next morning, he woke up to the sound of his mother shouting his name. He prepared himself for an angry rant, but instead was surprised to see his mother rushing to his side and squeezing him tight. She looked at him extremely emotional and let him know that there had been a gas leak in the basement. (gasps) My grandpa felt a strong sense of peace rush over him and started to become emotional as well. He told his mother about what he'd felt and about the loud voice that urged him to sleep upstairs. She smiled and she told him that he surely had someone watching over him. (laughs) That experience gave my grandpa a permanent sense of comfort about his life and what is beyond. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years back from leukemia, but he was content to move on. He lives a good, long life and was anxious to meet and thank whoever had saved him that night. Thanks for providing me with endless content to listen to during my hours of data entry at work. Stay spooky, ladies. Carly. That's amazing. Oh, isn't it? It's like those stories when people are driving and, and they just hear like, stop yeah. at the red light or whatever. It's or, just, it was uh, consistent. It was like, do not sleep yeah, downstairs. For it to not give up. Yes. And to physically oh like gosh. feel as if he was being pulled when he was trying to go back down again. That is, I just, again, I just 
I mean, maybe I haven't been in a situation where I need a guardian to like warn me about things. I mean, no, I definitely have, but they haven't warned me. Let me tell you. <laughs> I just, where is my guardian? I mean, you haven't almost died from a carbon monoxide leak. No, so maybe right. the event that that happens where it's like truly death is imminent in this I know. scenario, you would hear a warning perhaps. But my goodness, it sounds like, honestly, I think the good thing about this story is that it sounds like no matter what, even if he had tried to ignore that voice, I don't think he would have ended up sleeping downstairs. No. I think this thing would have physically dragged, dragged him, him up, up the stairs. Yeah, I agree. Like, or just slammed doors and stuff until everybody was awake. Yeah. It, it seems like there would be a big enough commotion that there was never a chance that he would truly- I agree with that. Sleep downstairs and die. Wow. Wow. How amazing. I wonder if- that guardian is now Carly's guardian or if Carly's grandpa is now her guardian and the protective chain will continue on and on. Right. Yeah. Who is it? I'm curious. I know. Is Only it a guardian angel? Is it a relative? Was it just someone who was a ghost hanging out in the house? Who just knew? Who just knew? I don't know. That's the thing. But what do I know? I do know that I love getting stories from our listeners, and I do know I encourage you all to send them to us, whatever Mm -hmm. they're about. Truth. Any topic, sad, happy, scary, anything, please email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That's super helpful to us. Do it to all the podcasts you listen to. It's truly very, very helpful, as is word of mouth. It's spooky season. People... Even if they're non-believers, are gonna want spooky stuff right now. So yes. tell them to everything. To us. Tell them everything all about us. There are lots of other ways to support us. We have merch. We have Patreon. We have a Facebook page. We have Twitter. We have TikTok, which we're trying to brainstorm new ways to get Corinne to become TikTok famous. And we're gonna be content creators. We're just we're in the brainstorming phase. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are content creators, but we are gonna That's be true. it on TikTok. And thank you so much to Aiden Manning at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. We are so eternally grateful for you. And we promise that we won't haunt you in the afterlife, aside from maybe protecting you from gas leaks if that ever happens. <laughs> we'll protect all of our listeners. That's true. That. Yes. And we will. See you on the other side. Very smooth.